Chris. And I saw that when I first got in the league and got scared and had nightmares about that damn hook shot. But you want to know something, Coop? What's that? He, lear- he didn't learn to shoot the left hand until he played against me. <laughs> I got a story for that. You We ready, Ari? Let's do it. Rick is in his car. Welcome, listeners, to Showtime with Coop. I'm going to just get right to him. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Rick Mahorn. Rick, how you doing? I'm doing great, Cooper. Hearing that man, myth, and legend stuff, I'm like, is this the same Michael Cooper that wanted to fight me during the playoffs, or we still got animosity? But I love it because I love the competitive edge that you had, and you going to a small a small D1 school and me going to a Division II school, I, I have nothing but respect for you. Well, uh, really, I don't like you, Rick. I think we just have respect for each other because I still have memories <laughs> of us fighting. And, yes, I was going to fight you, but we'll get all into that later. But, again, we want to thank you for uh, <laughs> the show, man. Uh, your family, everybody. <laughs> everybody could. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, you're my boy, H.P. Harvey. Say hi to Rick. <laughs> What's going on, Rick Mahorn? How are you? I'm doing good, Irie. Uh, I'm just, Coop makes me laugh because it's like when we first, when we were doing the, the big three, it was like, okay, I got to talk. Or when we were doing the WNBA, I uh, got to talk to Coop. And it was like, you know me, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a happy-go-lucky type guy. But I'll tell you something, when Coop would see me, Lambeer and myself, and he would go like, oh, I can't stand them guys. But it was, it was fun to me because it was like, shoot, that, that's, I left that on the court. I didn't care about what we were doing after we played. It was, it's fun because I talked to Coop and also talked to some Celtics and it's like, you know what? We, we're building blocks of this NBA and that was fun. That's all fun, man. You know, on that note, it is interesting how, as I've, I've done a lot of these interviews with Coop, how, you know, those, that animosity was, was real, you know, and, it just, it seems like today's game, they, they, that just doesn't exist. You know, if there is a fight between players, it's not, you know, there's no real true animosity. They're all friends. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, that, that, maybe that's a good thing, but I, I just, I feel like sports needs its, its villains and, you know, the real hatred that, that you guys had for one another, whether it was the Pistons and Celtics or the Pistons and the Lakers or the Lakers and the Celtics, like that was real. And even to this day, it's like, you know, you, you you guys are still like, I don't know, do we like each other now, or is this is enough time passed? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, when when you say that, it's more like uh, the social media aspect of it. Everything I remember, I remember growing up, and I'm not speaking for Coop, but I remember going to playing in the rec leagues, and, and you know, you you don't you didn't know anybody in the rec league from another neighborhood. You know, we we always competed because my neighborhood versus your neighborhood. It wasn't where you can have the option of going to different high schools. You, if you're in one district. You had to play in that district. Now it's more like uh, it's open. You can go anywhere you want as long as you have transportation to get to and from. If you went to a private school, it wasn't like the bus was going to pick you up. You had to get there on your own. And and those things right now has festered into this AAU. When you stopped giving uh, young people a chance to go play in a rec league to keep them off the streets, those are the things that, you know, you value more now than the social media part where these guys are playing in this AAU kind of circuit and they end up playing 
you know, playing together, seeing them together. And that's what we see in this bubble right now. You can see some animosity where you got guys like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and people like Russell Westbrook, where it's just genuine, I don't care about none of y'all. I want to kill you. <laughs> Rick, who was, who was your nemesis, Rick, growing up in the neighborhood? Who was the guy that uh, made life hard for you? There was this guy named Raymond Lewis out here in Los Angeles for me. He was a guard. Just, the guy was just a phenom. Who was that for you? You know, too, girl, for me, I didn't, in high school, I didn't start playing basketball until my last year in high school. Mine was football. I didn't like, I didn't like this Hartford public team. And they always had this guy named Willie, Poo, Willie Poole, who was uh, about 6'3", about 210, 220. And I'll tell you something, he was like a, like a, a OJ Simpson in that backfield and he would hit the line and talk smack and look at you. And I'm like, this dude is just huge coming around that corner, and he would hit you, and he would growl. And I'm sitting there going, like, I got to hit this dude, and I don't know how I'm going to hit him. But then you got the whole line. My thing was, and then when I got into basketball, my nemesis was Slider Williams. And I saw this, what was funny. They got a YouTube of that final game my senior year of uh, Rick uh, Weaver High School uh, playing against Lee High School. And I couldn't wait to play against Sly Williams again because that was my first year playing, you know, uh, organized basketball. Like, you know, I had the growth spurt. And next thing you know, I'm on the basketball court trying to play, you know, unorthodox. You know, I had to learn how to, you know, shoot. You know, all I could do was rebound and block shots, and that was just the raw talent. But my nemesis just, you know, it was Sly Williams. And I know you know Sly Williams. I I, I think till this day, I kind of want to whoop his ass. <laughs> Still, <laughs> Oh, you <laughs> look now. You, I hold a grudge, but but that grudge right there, it's like this, like Sly Williams. He killed you. He had like forty-two. I'm sitting there going like that dude, man. But he had forty-two just against me. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> they just can't get the street out of you here. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, Coop. You can, you know, you can take the kid out the hood, but you can't take the hood out the kid. And I think it's uh the game, always had to compete and make sure that, you know, I was one of the, you know, just wanted to play hard. I never even realized I was in the NBA until my third year in the NBA. And I'm out out in uh, California dating this girl in Oakland, and I'm reading the newspaper where we played the uh, we played the Celtics in a, in a, in a six-game uh, series. And I'm out in L.A. going like, no, out in Oakland, and I'm reading the San Francisco newspaper there, the local paper, and I'm like, why is my name out here in, in California? You know, I'm sitting there going like, Coop, that, that, that was unimaginable. We didn't, we didn't have social media, so we had to read it in ink. So when I read that, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in the NBA. <laughs> it was like I was just playing because I just liked competing and didn't matter if I was playing for the Bullets uh, or was I playing for the Pistons. But as, you know, as this game has evolved, it's the social media craze, so you can get instantaneous news from from all the social media networks. Did did you like? Did you have bad boy in you before you got to the Pistons, or did the Pistons bring out the bad boy? No, I had, I had it in me before. <laughs> it was like okay, it just enhanced me a little bit having a guy like Bill Lambert, you know, a guy that I hated playing against, and a guy that I hated as a teammate at a time. So it ended up, you know, when Lambeer got three-pieced by um, uh, Robert Parrish in the playoffs, 
I told Man Beer, you got to step up for yourself, man. You can't be letting nobody just go at you. If you don't go, if you don't step up for yourself, don't worry. I got this under control. And so, you know, the enforcer role was there. I just, my thing was, you're my teammate, and and it's about protection. And Coop knows that very well. It's like, hey, you you mess with one, you're gonna mess with all. We got to go at this because you know we got to establish that. And when I looked at the playoffs now, I thought I thought Paul Millsap at at a crucial time in that game four where it could have been, a, you know, that game five where it could have been a sweep, his intensity of setting the tone, like, hey, man, hey, we ain't going for this no more, man. We ain't going for the bully ball. And that makes it competitive because you sit there and saying these guys running with their tails up there, up their butt, but yet it was the fact that, you know what, I didn't give a damn who you were. It was the Pistons versus everybody. And you know what, Rick, I, I think you hit on something right there that I, I like, again, I don't think it's necessary. Well, in a sense, it's it being an enforcer, but it's just about not letting team people get away with cheap shots and certain things. Now, take yourself, 6'9", 240, 250 back when you played. I was 6'6", 170. Millsap is, what, 6'9", 220, something like that. So the size doesn't matter. I think it's just the heart and the attitude that you have to take because, again, when you're playing people in – you know, I don't want to call myself a protector. I mean, but somebody levels one on Magic or or, or Kareem, you you know, hey, I, I as little as I was, I was going to step up and say something. And, again, that was perfect what you said. Millsap stepped up, did what he had to do, and they won that game. And then the coach had him on the bench at the end of the game. But he had played his role to perfection to instigate something that compelled his team to go on and win. You know, that's that's it. You, you you hit the nail on the head, Coop. You go, hmm, man, this dude, they, they just whooping up on us. You know, you got uh, smart uh, Marcus Morris, uh, the way that he plays. If you don't match the intensity of the other team, and if you don't step – it's guys that play their roles, and this is how we survive in the NBA. You play a role, and you, you, you enrich it. And it's like, you know what, if I got to set the tone, you know, is if you're invisible – in the NBA, something's wrong because it's not the fact that you have to go out there and be a thug or whatever they, you know, play goon ball. Well, you know what? The matchups against the Lakers and the Celtics was a prime example. You know, you got Lance Berger going for a shot and you got Larry Bird trying to rip his neck off. And then they look at you and identify you as a villain. Oh, he's a thug. This is, this is not professional sports, but it's like, okay, it's establishing a tone. You got to have a tone setter. If you don't, then this team going to feel like they can get away with murder. And if you don't compete, it's not the fact that you're playing dirty basketball. It's the fact that, you know, what, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to make sure you let the, you know, let, let you know, come in this lane again. I'm going to knock you on your ass. Rick, have you ever heard of Masterclass? No. Okay. Masterclass, whether you're interested in sports, music, game design, or cooking, there's a master class for you. What do you like to do in your spare time, Rick? Not a damn thing. It's been six, six months. Oh, and they, like, they have a, a relaxation master class. I highly recommend, <laughs> <I highly> recommend <laughs> taking out, get unlimited access to every master class. And as a Showtime with Coop listener, Rick, you get 15% off the annual all-access pass. Go to masterclass.com slash showtime. That's masterclass.com slash showtime for 15% off. If you like jazz, they got Herbie Hancock. 
if you want to enhance your ball handling skills, and Ricky didn't have many, they got Steph Curry. Who I thought you were going to say he can learn to shoot like Steph Curry. Tennis, they got Serena Williams. She'll show you how to hit a backhand down the line. Hey, Coop, I love you to death. <laughs> my master class is getting my master ass. <laughs> you ain't got a class for master ass? <laughs> Rick Mahorn, Master Ass Masterclass. <laughs> Get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as a Showtime with Coop listener, you get 15% off the annual all-access pass. Go to masterclass.com slash showtime. That's masterclass.com slash showtime for 15% off Masterclass. I'm going to make sure you let the, you know let, let you know, come in this lane again, I'm going to knock you on your ass. I'm glad you said that, Rick, because you go to Hampton, you find yourself in the NBA, you're with the Washington uh, team. And I was going to ask you, what's the difference from you uh, being a Washington player as opposed to being a Piston player? Do you consider yourself a dirty player or a thug? <laughs> <laughs> I, I consider myself, uh, Michael Cooper and Irie, I consider myself a professional. And the thing is about being a professional, you go out there, you take care of your business. Did I want to hurt anybody or maim anybody? No. I just wanted to make sure that come. See, the thing about me, coming from a Division II school, come on, Coop, they'd be looking at you like, where the hell is Hampton Institute? Is that some crazy-ass school? Oh, has he been institutionalized? No. I went to a HBCU. And let me tell you something, man. You had to fight at games. We didn't have the biggest arenas. You probably the most you probably seen was three, maybe three thousand in a pack gym, depending on if you're playing a Norfolk State or if you're playing a Virginia Union or you're playing a St. Augustine or or North Carolina A&T. At that time, you get you going like okay, the, you, you got the section. What do they call it? Thirty three. It was this one school called St. Paul in, in Virginia, and they had this this group of guys, three three rows. Underneath the basket, they can just stick their arms and touch you. And it's going like, man, you say something to me again, I'm going to go out there and, and I'm going to slap you. Shut up. So it was like, you know what? Hey, I had to fight. The thing is, you're not, it's not that you know you're going to be a gifted athlete. You know, it's not like you can jump high and run fast, but you, you like your role. And the thing is, I enriched my role by playing. How do, how do I get an identity? So, I, I, they identified me as a guy that I knew I could score. I knew I could rebound. That's the NBA. Everybody learned how to do something right. So, I mean, the thing is you sacrifice one for the other. I got paid to play, uh, if they wanted to call it thug basketball or intimidation. It was a tone setting for me. It was like, okay, you know, Coop, and you know, if you see my eyes and our eyes look, it's like, oh man, if I go in there, do I want to get a little touched up, or do I want to sit in and take that short shot? That's no what question. Michael Jordan learned how to play that 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 short game. That's the thing about <laughs> this game. You know, he got his ass beat so much. It's like I ain't mess with them big old thugs. So, so that, I love that, Rick. So your word was touched up. Our word, our word was make you taste that wood. Yeah, you know, just the ground. That, that, <laughs> hey, look, it was it was a point. Coop, you, oh man, you know what was fun? The playing in the playoffs and getting to the finals was something that I thought in my career I would never get. 
with a Washington, uh, uh, as you say, ball club. And at least they did change their name from uh, the Bullets to the Wizards now, but or now the football team is the Washington football team. <laughs> like, well, y'all get this shit right before anything. But it was like, you know what? You got to establish yourself and make sure you knew we had the the beef beef brothers. You had Jeff Rulin and myself. You're going like, if I go in there and mess with them, they gonna either I'm gonna deal with this punishment because I'm gonna taste the wood. And when you t- that wood don't taste good, there ain't a toothpick in your mouth. You gonna feel that in your arm, your elbow, in the side of your head if you get a little bump and your head hits the back. You gonna you be a little concussed. But that's the thing about playing professional sports. I ain't trying to hurt you. I just want to win the game. And you go like, you know, from from what a, a quote that I really love from a, a guy like Malcolm X that says, by any means necessary. And that's that's been like, okay, how do you survive? And that's how I survived in the NBA for that many years. Yeah, and intimidation is such an important part of the game, too. I think we, we think of it that way. But the idea of... You get on the lane, you're gonna feel it. So good luck going into the lane. Did you ever? Did you ever think you crossed the line ever? No, I never think I would cross. Oh, the line. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop lying! Stop no, lying! No, I ain't crossed the line. Hey, listen, listen. Go ahead, Coop. Because I'm gonna tell you something. When you call you call an AC Green tough guy, I'm looking at AC Green or the. <laughs> I, I would get. I would hear on you know on certain games. Oh, the mailman's delivering. I was like, he ain't delivering that shit over here. I'm about to, I'm about to send uh, uh return to the sender. He coming here with that old bullshit. It was funny to me, Coop, because it's like, oh, he's so tough. People label him. He's always delivering. Man, I told Carl Malone first game, first time I met him, and when he got the league, I said, I got six files. All of them got your name on it. So bring it. Whatever you do, and that little damn stocking, boy, he could set a pick. I could, I, I, I had mad respect for him because he would come in there and hit you. And you go like, damn, did he just hit me in my balls? And I'm going like, now that's dirty. It's like, now I got to wear a cup. Come on, Coop. We know the game, man. You know you establish yourself if you're a cheap shot artist or you're going to be a guy that I know he's playing, going to play hard. And, you know, you're a defensive player, player of the year. You know, you get the you get the six man award. You knew what your role was. You knew what you had to do to be able to survive in the NBA, and I did it. Yeah. So thuggery, or did I, did I try to take somebody out? If you came in that lane, you're gonna feel that wood. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, you uh, again talking about defense, and I'm glad that you uh, brought us to that point. Who are the five toughest players that you were considered? Good defensive players along with yourself in the 80s. In the 80s, Rick Mahorn, Rick Mahorn, and Rick God. Mahorn. <laughs> and Rick Mahorn, don't forget about Rick Mahorn. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, I'm going to give you one name and you tell me about him. Give me a name. Yeah, give me a name. Let's Charles, play. Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley. Okay, Oakley, listen, you got to understand, Oak is my, like, it lived in my shadow from Hampton. He went to Virginia Union, which was one of our rival schools, and watching Oakley last night on Dance with the Stars, I all man, cool, cool, almost peed my pants. But for, for him to be 56 and out there trying to shake in that, in that little shake, I ain't mad at Oak. Oak was, you know, and we're best of friends now between me and him and uh, Derek Coleman. You know, Oak is like, you know, your, your little was, uh, Oak was like my little brother. You know, he's like the little brother that wants to and, wants to be like you, but 
able to use going to Virginia Union knowing that he had to be competitive. And you got to love a guy like Charles Oakley. Yeah, I consider him one of the enforcers in the NBA. I can throw another name at you. Dan Roundfield, the late Dan Roundfield. Oh, gosh. Why Danny <laughs> Roundfield, man? I thought, now, see, here's the thing, Coop. Remember, I came in when Wes Unsell is my mentor, and God bless him, too. Yeah. Wes Unsell told me who to, who I had to look at, who who I had to worry about. Man, come on, man. I had guys like, you remember Bob Lanier? Bob oh, yeah. yeah. look If you looked at his feet, Bobby Dan just told me, don't look at his feet. You get mad if you look at his feet because, you know, we're curious as kids. You're going like, that man wears a size 22 shoe and his feet all twisted, but he's sitting there pointing, busting your ass. And you're going like, how can he do this? And you go, okay. Bob Lanier to me, and then he told me about uh, Luke, uh, John, the late, great Maurice Lucas. And Maurice Lucas, he said he's going to wolf at you. Then you can, you know, don't worry about him. He ain't, ain't going to scare you, but. It's just the fact that you got to worry about him, and then you had a guy like Artis Gilmore, very strong. Yeah. You know, like, damn, man, I can't mess with him. And him and I are born on the same day. So it's like, man, I ain't telling this dude happy birthday. He might slap me. But he, when he picked me up <laughs> and I tried to take his position on that box, that low box on the left-hand side, he picked me up by my shoulders and moved me so he can get the spot. So I ain't mess with him either. Rick, so, would you consider him one of the strongest guys you played against? I, I'm not a better. Are you a better, Ari? I'm not a better. Uh, I'm bad. I've sometimes. never really been a gambler. A little yeah. bit, sometimes, yeah. I don't know, but you know what? Visit betonline.ag to check out all the odds, up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses for you. Bet online, your online wagering experts. I'll bet with your money, Coop. What? I'll bet with your I'll – I'll do some sports gambling with your money. No, 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 no. I, that's what I do. When I, when I used to go up to Vegas and we played blackjack, I mean, uh, uh, craps, and I would take like $500, $300, and I was actually pretty good at that. Once I won, I'd put my money in my pocket, and then I'd play with their money. And once – if I lost for some reason, okay, I'm going to Love your buddy. That's how I am. <laughs> the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be in a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and win totals to team players and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opener bonuses today and start off wagering on win totals, divisions, and championship futures today. Head to Bet Online, online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, Rick, would you consider him one of the strongest guys you played against? Between, you know, I was blessed to play against him and also that dog on uh, Shaquille O'Neal. So oh. I'm going to tell you something. Artis Gilmore, the train, the A-train was a beast, man. Yeah. He was woof. Well, Coop, man, I've sat back sometimes. That's, I guess, when I'm walking, my back hurts because I'm trying to keep up with these dudes but didn't want them to know that I was intimidated by them. But they, Wes Unsell, to me, was the strongest man I've ever played against because I had to play against him every day in practice. Uh-huh. And I'm going to tell you, dude, six, his real height was 6'6 six, six, and like 260 solid. He looked like a, uh, a cylinder block. And you know, Coop, if he hit you, you've been hit. 
Oh, yeah, like, I ran into hey. one of his screens. Where did you think I learned that from? He was like, Ricky, just let him go two dribbles this way and then let the guard come off you this way. And, man, I was like, damn, he was right. And he ran into me and just brace yourself, man. That's where I learned, you know, you take something from your mentor. Remember when I would pull the chair on people? And I was like, man, that stuff became so funny. And now they still mention till this day. Oh, he pulled the chair. That's the old Rick Mahorn moving. I'm sitting there going, I learned from that. I learned that from West Sun. So he taught me that a long time ago. Well, Rick, you know what? I do believe this. And the reason that you learned pulling the chair, because you wasn't going to stop anybody. So oh, you, you know what? That's, trickery that's messed like up. That. That, that's messed up, Coop. That's messed up. You know you, you know you as a one-armed bandit go hard <laughs> to the right and make sure you put it in his left hand because he can't dunk on your left hand. You would dunk on your ass right-handed. But it was like Coop couldn't wipe his butt walking through there with his left hand if his right hand was broke. <laughs> we're at the part of my show where it's called lightning round i'm gonna give you some names and just give us a little bit about that person all right all right first one uh dave bean oh he told me he said i scored more points with one eye than people <laughs> with two good eyes i love dave because he said he talks more smack him and Willie norwood I love some Dave Bing, man. He just, uh, you know, and he's right. He only had one eye playing. He, he had a bad accident, but he was, how can you, guy had, you know, vision in one eye and can score. And you knew that you, you're going to get your ass busted by a guy. And I'm not saying anything against his, uh, his, right. his uh, uh, disability, but it, he was able to overcome things like Abbott, who didn't, you know, a pitcher that had one arm, but that made it in the major leagues being a pitcher. So, I admire guys like that, and I still love David Bing. I keep telling him I'd have hit him with a pick. He'd have got his sight. Let me stop. I was bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michelle Obama. Ooh, don't, don't, my heart just fluttered when you said her name, man. That's a beautiful woman. I mean, uh, got a chance to meet uh, President Obama when we won that championship, Coop. But yeah, the WNBA, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, it was it was nice to hear him say the name Rick Mahorn and Bill Lambeer, him being a Chicago Bulls fan. But Michelle Obama is just a beautiful, but not only that she's beautiful, she's a bright and very intelligent uh, African-American woman. And I think she does uh, positive things for women across the world where you can represent yourself and be yourself and also be proud of yourself. So uh, that. She's she's a positive woman in, in my life and in my kids' life. Did you get a chance to talk some smack to to President Barack Obama about the Bulls yeah. when you were there? Oh yeah, I told him I said you shouldn't have been to the game and didn't worry about it. Stop crying, <laughs> get over it. Shit. it a, look, it was like talking to somebody you know. You go up to, he's like Rick Mahorn and Bill and I didn't like y'all as players, but I respect it. I said, well, hey, I respect you as being uh, the president. So. Hey, just just give us a congratulations so we can get out of here, man. <laughs> hey, Rick, ML Carr. Oh, that flag waving bum. <laughs> Boy, he got paid. He got paid good for being that the, the towel waver. He was there doing the terrible towel for the Celtics more than the, them old bums Pittsburgh Steelers. Every time I see it, it's like the terrible towels. We used to run by him and sit your ass down. We ain't got time to wave in a damn towel. You, you and Bill, Bill Walton, we gonna whoop y'all ass this day, today. Get out of here with that. But you have respect for ML Carr. Hey, you gotta survive in this league somehow. Even if you're, the, if you're the 12th man, you better make some noise. Chuck Daly. 
Oh, no, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Daddy Rich. Oh, yeah, Daddy Rich, man. Come on, man. I got a picture in my office of him sitting, you know, talking to me, just giving me the advice between, you know, his fashion design. You know, it was fun because he never really conversated with me because it wasn't that he didn't need to, but the only thing he would always tell me every time we go to New York, Ricky, you got to get some blue shoes. I said, come on, Chuck, you know I've got game, but blue shoes, what am I going to I And I ended up getting a pair of navy blue shoes and from Meslin. Whoo! Every time I throw that blue suit on, Coop, oh, you go, he goes like, yeah, Ricky, you got it, the blue shoes. So Daddy Rich, love him to death. His fashion, he's fashion forward. That hairstyle always, as they say, he was quaffed. And that was, you know, Coop, and you know, because you had Pat Riley with that old sweat, that slick back. Hey, hold on, hold up, Rick. Now, that, that shit was fly there, man. Riles was, yeah. Riles was slick back, man. Riles He's still was doing it. That's Coach why, Daly's hair. That, that's when that's because that hairline was going. Coopy, he grow it in the front and let it go back in the shag in the back. Come on, Coop. That's why you got a bald head and you're mad because I still got hair. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, Rick. Uh, the late, great Coach John Thompson. Oh, Big John, man. Oh, my gosh. Coop, I met him, and this was fun. I had a chance to play in – now, it's only three people back when I played that ever made uh, the East-West All-Star game back in the day. Coop, you remember that? Yeah. And yeah. it was the top seniors in the country. They only have it. No, they have it, but it's not publicized anymore because guys leave out uh, – and four it was one year in college to go to the NBA. And he was like, he was like, baby boy, baby boy. Ah, you know, just, just get that money, get that money. And every time I saw Big John, man, oh, what, that, that hurt me with him and Wes Unsell dying in the same year. And this cold, that's this, this crazy pandemic that we're in and the social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. It was like a, you know, a guy that was a, a mentor to be the first uh, African American a coach with a – he had a team, man. I told you, he was Pat, Patrick Ewing and being in D.C. at that time, it was just nice to see. And uh, he will always be remembered, in my mind, along with Bill Russell. That sounds cool. Showtime with Coop. we got Rick Mahorn in the house. And, Rick, I know you're real busy. you got some things going. So a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. You guys get to the playoffs, and uh, you face the Lakers in 19 19- – 88. What was your thinking when we played y'all and you saw Magic and Isaiah kissing before the game? Hey, listen, I, I wasn't mad at him because I still, when I see my college coach till this day, we kiss each other on the cheek. Yeah. And I kiss my nephews on the cheek. You know, people think, you know, you show. Uh, appreciation about yourself. You know that you really love this individual and you don't, you don't worry about all. I never got into, you know, judging anybody for what they do because you know what? I respect it. You know, we as men, especially being uh, African American men, we never show the appreciation of the love of, of each other. And that was just a bitter friendship later on, Kuba, as you know, when yeah. we played. Uh, and also in that 88, getting to the finals, you know, we always talk about injuries. And at that time, this was the first time I ever got to the finals. And you, if you would have, you saw me, I started the game, 
but I was also, I had a ruptured disc in my back. Mm. So my whole thing was I ain't getting surgery until after the season because this might be the last, first and the last time I ever get to the finals. So that was, uh, you know, that was inspiring. So with that being said, you know what, when, when, when you're playing against your friend and one of your best friends, man, I, I loved playing against my best friends because I always wanted to, you know, that was fuel for the fire for the summertime, Coop. You knew it was like, I, bu- I bust your ass. <laughs> but but you know what, I'm like you on that. That uh, didn't bother me um, because, again, when you go into war and you have uh, – I wish I would have had an opportunity to play with one of my longtime friends. I never had anybody I grew up with and made it to the NBA and got a chance to mm-hmm. play the ultimate game with them. It didn't bother me. The only reason it bothered me because it was the Detroit Pistons. That's the only reason it bothered me, you know, because I really didn't like you guys. And uh, in, in knowing that, how did the bad boy name come about? Why couldn't you guys be called the, the Detroit Hustlers or the Detroit uh, – come up with a name. How you guys Enforcers. come up with bad boys? And we, now, they look, had to come you know, within the team. No, it started out Motor City Bad Boys when we were in 87 against the Eastern Conference Finals when we lost to uh, the Boston Celtics that one pass that we had them to win that game six and bring – no, that game five, we could have brought it back and you see the deal. But it came the, – the league came up with that. It came up with the Motor City Bad Boys. Didn't know where it came from, but then the next year it was the Detroit Bad Boys. And that kind of – that moniker just kind of stuck. And, you know, I, I keep that emblem on uh, – and, and I love it because, you know, wait a minute, let me see. I'm in my truck, so I'll make sure I let you see what I keep in my truck. I keep this old bad boys thing that somebody made me. This pillow needs some stuffing. That's, that's what, that's, you know, wow. you can see that. And then, and then I got, here's one for you, Coop. You might get, get mad a little bit. My, I got my bad boy bear with the orange and the bad boys. And then I got my, Somebody made me a bear with this, and this thing is over. Why you carry all that junk in the car with you, man? Why, it's what? in my truck, man. I'm in my black bad boy truck. Lucky I don't get out of the car and go in the back and show you with the emblem on the back. So don't hate, Coop. Don't hate. That's a sore spot for me. It is, Coop. You got to get over it because I still hate every time I go to the Lakers. You know who I hate most is your doggone announcer that's still there. Lawrence oh Tanner, baby, that's oh, right. I can't stand Lawrence. Every time I see him when we're playing the Lakers, we'd be right next to him. He, you know, it used to get me because when we were playing, all I heard was when when there was a score out there in Englewood, and you go like, this dude will go, worthy. And I'm sitting there going like, this mother, <laughs> this mother. And every time it was like, it was like, then he, this one, you know, James was going off. He'd go like, and after he, the crowd goes or go crazy, and he'd go, Things like that would like trigger different things in me to say, boy, if I could get over there or if I could die for a ball, I'm taking his ass out. So (laughs) I I enjoyed the competition against the Lakers because, you know, people didn't, they didn't expect a small market like Detroit to win a championship or to be there. And you remember, Coop, it was always that mysterious foul on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That still irks me till this day. How did the could be back? Yeah, I'm here. 
I think we lost Coop for a second. Coop, are you back? That's because you got that cheap Showtime. All right, go ahead. <laughs> you got that yeah. cheap Showtime uh, internet. <laughs> so take me through. So you have the, the Lakers, Celtics stuff. Listen, but then Speaking of Lawrence Tanner, the one thing I used to love to hear him uh, – hold on. All right, the one thing about Lawrence Tanner, the things I used to love to hear him say, the Laker girls. I love that. That was a symbol that was that symbolizes us because we brought the Laker girls out, man. Yeah, so but you know, y'all y'all were innovators in the time. Don't get me wrong. We didn't know Detroit, we had the classy chassis. I can't even remember when it was on the court. That was the thing. <laughs> y'all it was entertainment. You talking La La Land. You know, they all y'all always had to try to keep one step up. Boston never had cheerleaders because probably all looked like Bird and McHale and, and Robert <laughs> Paris. Looking like they got the eyeballs Frankenstein. Dennis <laughs> <laughs> Johnson, love you, DJ. But it was like, come on, man, y'all ain't no cute group of dudes. Y'all could put on a suit and still look like the the same old knuckleheads that y'all were. But they were they were some bad boys, man. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of Coop as a player? Oh, I couldn't stand him, but I, you know, I respected him because he he came with it. You know, you respect guys coming into their own with their roles. And he, man, he, you knew his, he knew his energy was always going to be until, you know, I, I touched up magic and got a little Byron Scott. You know, Coop had to get in that starting lineup because if they were waiting on David Rivers to carry him, they would have, they were in for a long time. That's why, that's why we whooped their ass 4-0 because it's like, come on, you put Coop in there. Who you want? Who coming off the bench? Tony Campbell? Hey, come on, man. It was like, it was like, we took Chuck Nevin from y'all, so y'all could at least say, okay, we ain't got to put Chuck E. Cheese in there. We can put Tony Campbell and Wes Matthews. Come on, Coop. Hold on. Coop, you told me to bring it, man. You told me to bring Listen, it. Listen, in 1988, we booked y'all's ass. I'm telling you, in 1989, Coop, when Coop, we came Coop. back, Rick, we, okay, would have, we would have, we uh, would have, you you've had a socket to him cake, haven't you, AT? Hey, listen. Socket to him cake. We would have socked it to them real good. But Magic listen. got hurt. Well, Byron got hurt in practice. Magic got hurt the first two minutes of the game. We're down to nothing now. And you know what? They they better be glad. I'm gonna let you talk. Yeah, I'm gonna let you talk, Rick. Cause you no, better no, no, you, you you. I know marijuana is legal in L.A., <laughs> but you smoke them a little bit too much. Because if you want to talk injuries in '88. You had me with a ruptured disc in my back trying to play, and and you all y'all beat us seven three. You gonna tell me? I keep telling you, Coop. I always look at that one play. Y'all, they called a, a, a this mysterious foul. And don't get me wrong. You look at it, you go like, okay, what, what, what's going on here? Uh, that they had to give it to Cap. Here's the here's things that you always have to think about in the NBA. It's about merchandise and trying to sell something. What? How many shirts could you sell? How many things can you sell if a team repeats? In the last repeating championship, going back to the the Celtics, they did it, and it was like, okay, the NBA looks around. How many Detroit? What Detroit stuff can we sell? There ain't that much you're gonna sell. You're gonna sell a lot if you get repeat. So come on, get out of here with that. that. You know what I was asking? We were going to do it anyway. Man, we was going to, listen, all of a sudden they're going to call a foul, Irish. You go like, where was that foul? Hey, <laughs> doggone. And you look at, here's the thing, you look at the referees and you go like, 
Oh, it come cool. Don't come with it. Cause you knew you looked at certain referees, you go like, Oh man, I gotta pay. I gotta play. My, I gotta play. Yeah, hello. You're, you're there. Yeah, but you gotta play. Come, come on, Coop. What, what referees used to see you go like, Oh, on the road, you go like, Oh, we got, we got Earl Strong. Okay. This is going to be fun. Well, we got. I'm fouling you know, him. I, we just sit here and watch it, Rick. You fouled him. Bill Lambert couldn't guard his, his, his jock strap. He fouled him. He didn't foul no cap. I don't see I a foul there, this. Coop. I, think. Get out of here, man. That's a foul, man. That's a foul. That's a foul. He went up underneath him. In today's game, do you realize how many times these guys get fouled going up for a jump shot and people coming up underneath it? Yeah, that's a foul. He went all up on him. Bill oh, wasn't going to block that. The best thing he could have yeah. do is caught that, that splash shot right in his face. And look at him. He's sorry. I want you to. Let me see it again. Because I wasn't on it. That's, but that's, come on. Come on, Coop. Look, 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 look. Look at him. He went up in oh, it. Damn, Cool. If it would have went down, they wouldn't have been with look, look. If it went down, it would have been an and one, and y'all asked me to got y'all out of there a lot quicker. Cool. You were that. Listen, the format was three, two, three, two. We whooped y'all ass the second game out there, and then y'all can't. Man, don't know. Coop, I told you, marijuana is legal now, so (laughs) you don't have to indulge so much. I don't even want to hear it. I love Captain Death. But it was like, okay, we can sell back to back more than we can sell the, the, the Detroit Pistons. Come on, man. We just want y'all. They just ain't want to celebrate a pretty team. They wanted the pretty boys on there. They wanted Pat Riley with the slick back hair. They wanted Michael Cooper. All we can see is his eyes. <laughs> Rick Mahorn. Rick Mahorn. <laughs> Rick. I love it. It was 30 years ago, and it's still to this day, oh, you know? Like hey, this. look, look I, hey, listen, we, we, coach in the, we coach in the big three, and I'm going to tell you something. I love, I love just looking at Mike. My, Coopy over there coaching, and I'll be sitting there looking like, it ain't that hard, Coop. It's three-on-three basketball. If you got some good players, you're going to win. If you don't, you don't. It's, it's, it's just like that. And I just start laughing at it, man, because it's so much fun, and I missed that this year, Coop. I, I missed miss that, that camaraderie, that. you know. That was um, uh, a big blow. But, uh, you know, it's the one thing that um, – now, you're talking about something set up. How can Nancy Lieberman and Lisa Leslie, two women, win every year? <laughs> Rick, uh, Coop, we can't win a championship, and we don't uh, want it before. We can't uh, win. Look, hey, Coop, listen to the thing. <laughs> I went undefeated. I don't care if they win. As long as they don't go undefeated, I'm good. I got the record of going through the first uh, inaugural year of the big three. I went undefeated. I went 10-0, and and we went home with the championship. So you got – you won up – do you want – yeah, you won up me because you won the CBA championship, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you won up, man. I try, and I try. Listen, I tried to get my CBA one when I was in there with the Rockford Lightning. I was so mad that they didn't want us to be. They didn't want because I came in there in a half a year. Took Rockford, Rockford Lightning. They were, uh, they were like, they were, um, they were under five hundred. We're the last place team, and I took them from from worst to first in them, and, and just a half a year. Mm-hmm. And man, I, man, I was so mad that I really wanted that championship. 
that's when you know that you're so much a you don't care who you coach in little league, whatever you're doing. You wanted to win because it was more not necessarily for me, but it was more for the players. For the guys. And you know what them guys are like a half a step away from getting to the NBA. And I know what you mean by that, Rick, because uh I took uh Albuquerque Thunderbird was our first year. Mm-hmm. Our season and we went there and we went and played Fort Worth whose uh, uh, companion team was uh, the Dallas Mavericks. So the championship game, they sent four, four of their players down, four of their players down. <laughs> yeah, remember, the, uh, I forget the big Chinese kid they had, that 7-4 kid? Was it Yang? Down. It was not, it was, uh, was Yi. Yeah, it was they sent him down. And you know mm-hmm. what? I had Chuck Hayes and Andreas Glenyadakis, and uh-huh. my point guard was Tony Bland. And, and we had Joe Ship from Cal, and we went there, man, and we won that game. That, that that was an accomplishment, actually more so than when you actually play, because you got a chance. You got a chance to pass on that philosophy and teach these mm-hmm. guys how to win and what it took. So yeah, I'm one up on you, but you know what? Yeah. I'll get my big three. I'm gonna get my big three. Oh no, you tasted it a couple of years, but it, you know you tasted it last year a little bit. It's all right, Coop. You'll get over it. At least they kept it in the family. <laughs> You know, they kept it with, the, you know, which is your Sparks people. So you, it's all good. It's all good, Coop. We get it, we'll get it this year. And shout out to my man Ice Cube for getting that started, man. That's for sure. That was a big thing there. I just wanted to ask about Chuck Daly, um, you know, and, and I mean, this is one of the greatest coaches in NBA history, uh, certainly. Um, but I don't know that he's thought of that way. You know, you think of the great ones and Pat Riley and Red Arbach and Phil Jackson. I, I feel like Chuck kind of gets – you know, he, he doesn't get his due in terms of how good he was. Well, the thing is, you know, when you have a guy like Chuck Daly, he was an older coach. The, the thing that uh, you, you, you think about with Chuck Daly, he was an older coach, got his chance and opportunity to be a head coach in the NBA late, but he was able to put guys and their egos uh, to the side and make everybody be accountable. And, Coop, you know, being in the gym, Knowing that if Magic's there, Cream's there early, then you know you got to have your ass there early. Yeah, they talk yeah. about philosophies. They talk about the the San Antonio way. They talk about the uh, they talk about this 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 culture. But shoot, back then we had everybody had a culture. It's like if you knew this guy was the last person there, and I played with a guy like Charles Barkley, and I love Charles to death, but it was, he wasn't the leader. Is the first first one there and the last one to leave, and that's what you have to do. And Chuck Daly made it said, be responsible and accountable for yourselves. And when you do that, you'll see the improvement of your team. So the reason why he doesn't get mentioned a lot, you keep hearing guys like Popovich. You keep hearing because he won multiple championships. Phil Jackson, they won multiple championships. But here's the thing. We didn't really have, like, the best players, you know, that probably we got three guys that made it into the Hall of Fame, but we really didn't have the best players. We had the best chemistry out of a lot of the championships. Rick, I, I disagree a little bit. I was looking at you guys' team, man. And, I mean, Isaiah, Dumars, uh, yourself, Lambeer, Spider. Uh, uh, Mark Aguirre, uh, uh, Adrian Dantley, uh, Rodman, Sally. Sally. Yeah. I mean, Chuck did a great job of handling Dennis Rodman, a young Dennis Rodman coming in. Yeah, that was, you know, that's when you're, you know, when your team – makes you accountable. You know, if we saw a worm coming in with, with some BS, we was like, man, we don't need that BS around. John, remember John Sally was always going to Arsenio Hall and, 
that was his boy and all that. So it's like, look, you want to play basketball or you want to sit up here and be in entertainment or you want to be a comedian? Get your ass here to work. Yeah. And that's where, you know what, you, you, you're able, what was cool about playing with Ice there is that you, you were able to call him out just as much as he was able to call you out. Mm-hmm. And the competitiveness that we had as players, it started in the, in, uh, in the practice, on the practice floor. Coop, you know good and well, we have Vinny Johnson, a microwave, similar to you. You were going to go at Magic and be Scott and them and Norm and them. Yeah. You were going at their ass because you wanted, you wanted their time. Now it's like these guys inherit, and I'm not, I ain't mad at them. They, you, I, I learned the other day from Chuck, uh, not, uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy. He was like, dude, you're talking about guys that was uh, five years removed from junior high school. And I had to go like, oh shit, we talked to somebody that was 14 years old, still in junior high, and now he's in the NBA, and we wonder about fundamentals, fundamentals. Yeah. We, we, we wonder about, you know, the maturity and gosh, it's, it's only it's exceptions to every rule. And I thought when LeBron James got in here at 18, uh, I thought that LeBron was just, you know, you look at him and you go, wow, this dude really worked at his craft and knew what he had to do to take it to the next level. So it's, it's all about accountability from your teammates, not necessarily this, this, this San Antonio way because we don't hear it. The San Antonio way anymore. Uh, Rick, uh, last question, man. Uh, who do you think is coming out the East and who do you think is coming out the West? And give us your championship pick. Well, I can tell you right now, who, who where could you sell more t shirts? Celtics, <laughs> Lakers, or the merch. Come on, Coop. If you see the Celtics and the Lakers in the finals, call me. You got the number. <laughs> call me because you go like, okay. Well, you sell a lot of T-shirts if it's Miami. What's the, what, you know, you look at, you look at where you can sell some T-shirts. I'm, I'm looking at the Lakers making it, you know, getting to the finals because they do have talent, but they also have a commitment. When you down in a bubble in that atmosphere, you don't have home court advantage, but it's a dedication, boy. It's yeah. like, you know, you're on, you're on lockdown and I see Daniel House was a prime example of that with Houston knowing that you can't do these things without repercussions. So yeah. then, you know, that's affecting your team because that's that's where we go back to accountability. We're here for a mission and not just because we're here. So I go Lakers and Celtics, and I go Lakers in six. Rick, I love you like a play cousin, man. Thank you, <laughs> sir, for spending a little time with us. I know you got some things to do. Stay safe, Rick, and uh, I'm going to be seeing you next year in the big three, baby, because I got to get my chip. Get that on my yeah. Yeah, whatever, baby. my ring is big and fat, baby. I love that synergy <laughs> one. But I got to get another one for the enemies, baby. I need – see, this is crazy because I went from one team to another so I could get two chips off of two teams. That's, the, that's it right there. Y'all be good. Nothing but love. Be safe out there. Okay, Rick. Take care. Peace. Thanks. All right, peace.